0: You're listening to "Planted Never Buried, your one-stop shop for joy and justice from Black Gen ears. I am your host, Randy Richardson. This episode is all about college basketball. The NBA draft was earlier in the week, and I couldn't help but to think about all the draftees who did not get paid to play in college or who only did a year of college, also known as one and done, and all the previous draft picks who got injured within their first season or their second season And, of course, how a lot of Black boys see the NBA and athletics at large as their ticket out the hood or their ticket to economic security. And being a former college athlete, and my guest for today is as well, I want to talk through all these points after the break and after giving you some headlines. And as always, you're listening to Planted Never Buried. Barack Obama released his memoir, A Promised Land, Tuesday. It sold almost 900,000 copies in the first 24 hours. Icon. Coronavirus deaths in the United States surpassed a quarter of a million. Meg The Stallion dropped her new album, Good News, on Friday. I listened to it. I think it's worth a listen, but it low-key was underwhelming. So after y'all listen to it, let me know what you think, because I think I'm also of the minority opinion in that.
1: Randy, thought it was (laughs) underwhelming?
0: I'm just saying, I I vibe with Meg. I'm not against it at all. But I think the bar was set so high, I was expecting so much more. Okay, okay.
2: To To each their their own. own.
0: Um, And Mm -hmm. lastly, for headlines, the NBA draft was on Wednesday, and it resulted in the Minnesota Timberwolves taking Georgia's shooting guard, Anthony Edwards which is a great segue into today's episode. I'm joined by Ike Marchi, who you've already heard from literally a few seconds ago. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not going to go into a long-winded intro. Instead, I'll just say, what up, Ike?
1: What's going on, Ms. Richardson? It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Thank you for having me on again. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get into these topics for today.
0: You Uh, are always welcomed. I feel like we need to talk through more of good news because I wasn't expecting you to object as <laughs> as loudly as you did. Did you listen <laughs> to it?
1: I I I will I will be honest and I didn't listen to it in its entirety. But I did listen to a few okay. tracks and the tracks that I listened to I I I rocked with it. I I I rocked with it. I like I'm of the mindset that uh with 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 Meg specifically, like if you don't believe that she's a good rapper you're just hating i agree it. like that's that, that's what i personally believe um and then from a production standpoint i was really rocking with the samples
2: mm.
1: um the samples was fire like the beats was cool and then i like my favorite as of right now is the joint with the pop can feature because mm-hmm. pop can came on the track and i was like whoa this 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 is going crazy right yeah. now um but, but I, I guess I can't give a true formulated opinion without listening to the entire project. Got you, got so, you. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. I
0: agree that Meg's flow and her lyrics are crazy. And one thing I appreciate about the album is that there's continuity between each song. Because sometimes yeah. it's just a collection of tracks, but this has really good flow. My only mm-hmm. thing is her style and her brand is so unique that low-key, each song sounds the same. <laughs> like, the mm-hmm. flow, the rap, the beat, and maybe I just was mm-hmm. listening too closely, but one song for another, I literally had to check my Spotify sometimes. Yo, is this the next song, or what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But I definitely think, like, the I- trash she talked and the shot she shot was overdue and warranted, and I'm glad that she did that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she she came in hot on the first track. I'm She came in
0: hot. Those opening uh-huh. eight, nine bars?
1: I said, oh. <laughs>
0: Oh my I literally, God. I turned it up. You better talk your talk. <laughs> you better talk your talk. Talk your talk. The Stallion. The Stallion. Alrighty. On to something not as exciting as Meg the Stallion. Sorry <laughs> to disappoint you already.
1: Nah, it's all good. It's all good.
0: So, you heard the plan for today, right? College athletics, yep, yep, um,
2: uh-huh.
0: typically, they're in a sham of amateur status where they don't get paid. But recently, mm. there's been ongoing conversation about playing paying college athletes the state of california yep. recently ruled that all the schools in their state can pay college athletes now with the ncaa does as far as eligibility if those players do get paid because it's technically against their organization's rules it's just a whole nother cat and mouse game but mm-hmm. the other focus points for today is also sort of the one and done mentality and how rookies typically get injured because i argue their bodies are underdeveloped because they left college too early and now they're in the NBA grown man's game and just can't physically keep up. Mm. And then on top of all of that, you sort of have the NBA as this crown jewel of black boyhood. Like once they get there, they've made it, they've arrived, they can help their mom out, they can buy houses, they can buy cars and all the different things that we see in music videos, essentially. So Mm. it's a lot of moving parts. We can start in the middle and work our way out but since yeah. it's so connected, I wanted to just ask you: Where do you want to start? Uh, what do you want to dive into first?
1: I think so. The first thing I'm I'm gonna point out is, um, well, a the exposure that the NCAA grants college athletes and how the NCAA sort of presents it as a farce. It's like, oh, like you'll be on TV and you've got all these things mm-hmm. and. They, it helps you out in A, B, and C, and you you you're going to school for free. But if you're going to school, and like you said, you're only going one and done. Like what? Like what? What is truly the the uh the give and take? Then? Right. Um, and I think a big a big example of that um uh, as of recent was obviously Zion Williamson. Yeah, and I remember that that last last year's college basketball season. He was everywhere. He was on every post. Mm-hmm. He was. He was. He made the NCAA, ESPN, and Sports Center millions. Like he single made them mm-hmm. so like so much bread just by existing and doing what he does. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that from from that perspective specifically, like it makes sense. I, I like I had always argued like based on the amount of exposure, exposure or revenue you you bring in, like like not necessarily like a commission or something along those lines, but that like it's justified that they should get paid. Like given that they're the ones that are making these organizations and and institutions, this money. But the one, the one thing I want to point out from this draft specifically um, is the fact that a lot of there's there, we have actually one example of what, what might become the new normal for a lot of top prospects in the third pick in the NBA draft being Lamelo Ball. Yeah. Um, obviously, people who are aware slash follow uh, basketball and the basketball scene are aware of the character that is Lavar Ball. Being <laughs> Not a LaMelo character. He's most definitely a character. You know that. For I don't sure.
0: disagree. I just think it's funny how you said it.
1: Yeah, you know, and uh, he he was aware and knew how the NCAA worked as as a large corporation he understood that well yeah like my sons could well I mean Lonzo went to UCAA but he was like okay my sons can make money and and brand themselves overseas while moving moving away from the NCAA given their their selfish nature and attitude towards how they go about maneuvering these players so I think I think that is is really interesting and in the fact that he went number three overall and the fact that he is a very talented player. I, I would like to see a lot more players take that route.
2: Mm.
1: Um just because I I don't I don't I don't like the NCAA. I don't like large corporations. I think it's like you you talked about the um you talked about the 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 view or like went the the idea of getting to the the NBA yeah. for for a lot of these young black boys is like, oh, it's it's the ideal. Right. And I think and I don't I don't know how far you want to go into this, but I think a lot of this has to do with um it's 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 sort of a structural thing to me because mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's an it's a it's a sold American dream. And to me, I it makes me upset because I feel like a lot of the communities where a lot of these black boys are like very good at basketball. Like no one's telling them like, yo, you can take this route and go on a team.
2: Mm, you facts.
1: can you can you can you can go to school and play basketball and become a GM who's the one who's moving these players and 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 organizing and creating these contracts. Right. Like those that that sort of information and knowledge isn't something that's at the forefront of most of these players' minds.
0: Mm, so You better um, preach. I definitely so think it's, it's a specific path to the NBA that Mm -hmm. all these young kids are looking up to and it just reminds me so much of like the structural historical barriers that black people are always up against when Mm -hmm. it comes to labor productivity sort of predetermining your aptitude in life so for example like just consuming black athletes as a country has a huge dark history behind it dating back to slavery like watching people work Mm -hmm. watching them Do this labor, not paying them then, Mm -hmm. but paying them now because their labor is valuable and makes you more money. So like breaking them off a few million doesn't really hurt your bottom line, Um, which brings me back to what you were saying earlier about college athletes getting paid and how you want to see more people follow ball's path. I definitely think exposure is a big part of it. And part of me is wondering, where do I draw the line between Yes, you have exposure and you should get paid, but also you're all, you're like a youngster because yeah. AAU for high school students, some of those tournaments are highly exposed. You have, yeah, you know, uh, Coach K there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of all the notable coaches and for some reason only Nick Saban is coming up. <laughs> but we're talking basketball. <laughs> yeah,
1: John, John Calipari. Thank you,
0: thank you for the assist. <laughs> um,
1: Tom Izzo. And they're Shout there,
0: and I definitely... I don't know if I'm prepared to say college athletes should get paid purely because of how much exposure and how much money they bring into their schools and the NCAA, because then for me, like AAU athletes should also get paid because mm-hmm. of how much exposure and how they are the first stepping stones to build the college program mm-hmm. that then turns in, them into like a multi million dollar making athlete. You know what I'm saying? It just seems yeah. like if you're going to do one, you got to do the other. But that truly is an amateur status when you're 17 and under, even 18 and under, really.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's, and, and it's difficult, like you said, like because because they're they're youngsters, and it's for for them the job. It's 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 not necessarily like an easy job because you and I both play basketball. Yeah, basketball is a very nuanced and difficult game, um, but it. It simplifies it for them when it's just like, oh, there's this thing that I'm good at. I know how to do it and go about it. Yeah. I just worry about this, and then whatever else comes with that, like it, so be it. Yeah. So, I think, like you said, it's difficult for them, like from their perspective, to to be focused on or have those issues at at the forefront of their mind, mm. because it's like, how how much how much can you really like do from, from their, from their perspective or from their, yeah. from their standpoint?
0: The silver lining is that I think the NBA is really genuine and authentic and caring about its players. We've mm-hmm. seen them do so much supporting the social justice causes of their athletes, like putting mm-hmm. where their money, putting the money where their mouth is opening arenas and stadiums for voting and whatnot. Yeah. But the other part, the other part of me is thinking, dang, Ike made a good point. Like, why aren't y'all also, starting training camps for the future GMs and the future team owners that you know good and well black people are not well represented in those areas Mm -hmm. and not to say it's the NBA's sole responsibility to train the next generation of black general managers or Mm -hmm. black owners but certainly they can carry their weight right certainly they Mm -hmm. can be doing more than what they're doing now
1: it's it it's it's the way that like black GMs and black owners are sort of an anomaly. Um, you got, you got Masai Ujiri in, in Toronto. Yep. You've got one of the greatest basketball players to ever play in Michael Jordan.
0: Ooh, and you saying that as a LeBron fan. Let me, let me yeah. hold this tape for when we talk about LeBron again.
1: I said one of,
0: Mm-hmm. I you did the fact. I don't know if I've ever heard you acknowledge that fact though. Have right. you? <laughs> <laughs> like you'd be so salty about it. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, I'm not that much of a LeBron saying that I'm not gonna say Michael Jordan as well. Like
0: we've talked about this several times and it's the first time I heard you say that. Oh my <laughs> not the point oh though, not God. the point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, like to my point, like the next the next prominent like GM or owner is most likely gonna be LeBron after he retires. So mm. it's it's one of those things where like you said, like Access to understanding how the league works, or how to go about like a new route that's not just using and deteriorating your own body rather mm-hmm. using, like the like your mind and and the assets of how you know like the league may may or may not work like that's that's not something that they're offering that's not something that is like oh like. We want we want these kids to to run this league. Right. No, they don't like they want to they want to maintain control, like status quo. Like We're Facts. in the United States. Everything, everything, everything is connected. Facts.
0: And before we get too far removed from the paying college athletes conversation,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: I play collegiate basketball, D1. You play collegiate football, D1. Yep. And I remember so many times where I was walking around hungry, like you always hear on TV. They're walking around hungry. They don't have enough <laughs> money to get food, yet their jerseys are selling for $200 in the school store. Which, nope. granted, at Brown, we don't even have our jerseys up in the school Nuh-uh. bookstore.
2: That's
0: not our. That's not our lane at all. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's something to say for providing some sort of stipend, even if it just works on food, yep. so that college athletes get what they need whether maybe that can include clothes as well just the bare essentials because mm-hmm. it's so exploitative to have them day in and day out um giving their life to this sweating literally sometimes bleeding for two points right
2: that's
1: it's so crazy
0: and then not even having enough nourishment is just where are mm-hmm. our priorities as a country they make money and that's all we care about yeah capitalism is trash
1: it's very very much so it's I think it's it's the way for me that I remember I would have certain conversations with with other brown student athletes and they tell me about their schedule yeah. and the the comparison that I always make is that being a Division one college athlete is literally working a full time job while also going to school
0: facts uh, easily that,
1: that's that's the amount of hours that you're putting in weekly while also doing your school thing now granted again we are both college athletes so i we i feel like we have to acknowledge our implicit bias in regards to this topic and then also uh since we like went to brown it's not a place like duke or clemson or like another big school where like you talked about bringing you back to the one and done thing like they're not necessarily like they don't have to focus on school per se like they're there they're probably going to class here or there but i'm i'm well aware that there are people in place to make sure that like they just have to be as good as they need to be school wise, mm-hmm. so that they can put all of their attention towards what towards the sport that they're playing. facts
0: so, let's get to one and done in a minute you mentioned like Brown definitely is not a Duke or a Clemson or a Georgia, mm-hmm. but it also is not your NAIA division three bottom of the barrel either. Yeah, so. do, do you remember what your typical schedule was when you were <laughs> either preseason in season and also a full class schedule?
2: <laughs>
0: like for real, because I want people to understand how much time oh goes God. into this.
1: Um, regular day is wake up um at 6 a.m mm. to get to six thirty lift um six thirty lift lasts about an hour and a half till eight then you have class from like nine or probably like one or two classes before before lunch eat lunch mm-hmm. I have one class after lunch because with at Brown, for us, like, we could not, my first, my freshman, sophomore year, I was not picking any class that happened after 3 p.m. Right. Because at 3, I have to be in the office ready for film. So yep. From 3 to 4. And then after film, we hit the field and we're on the field from, like, 4 to 6, 6.30. And then you go get, you go get, you shower you eat food, and then mm-hmm. it's 8 p.m., and you're tired. I brought
0: you up. Dining halls closed. Thank God for ah
1: You are tired. <laughs> and it's 8 p.m., and you got to do three readings and mm. finish, finish an assignment before midnight, and then do that and You got again the same schedule then, the next day. It's like, nah, I'm <sighs> good. It's, it's the way that I can't even remember that I actually did that, because like <laughs> me trying to, like, me fathoming doing that right now is just like, nah, you're you're good off all that.
0: Bruh, at the time, it seemed so regular degular. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, yo, why were we like, doing why? this?
1: I don't even know. I could not tell you.
0: I remember my first two years, the coaches had not blocked off the schedules well to the point where we were literally going back and forth between workouts and classes. So I would <laughs> have like a 6am workout. No, I didn't start that early. Maybe like a 7am workout Shower, get changed, go to my 9 a.m. class. A 10 o'clock lift, go to my 11 o'clock class, eat lunch. A a 1 o'clock skills session, go uh, shower, go to my class at 2. And then practice from 3 to 5. And I was like, yo, after that I ate dinner. And by the time I, you know, rested my body or ice bath or whatever, it was like 7 o'clock. I hadn't started any homework. I had the same schedule the next day. I was mad homesick. Mm-hmm. I got a concussion that semester. Things were really starting to fall apart. Oh, dear. Thank God for my family and for, for God himself, because otherwise, him. I, this student athlete wouldn't have been able to make it. Mm-hmm. Now, junior year, it got a lot better because they started just blocking off three hours where you show up and you do the lift, you yep. do the skills, you do the full practice, you do film and just get it out the way. But man, those beginning days where it was a back and forth, mm-hmm. I literally remember sitting in my class. And remind you, this is my first class as a freshman, <laughs> and I am dripping wet in oh sweat. God. And on top of that, you know the athletic campus is way oh. across the way from where was my class sales, which is in the middle of campus,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's a very it was least on
1: ten minute at walk,
0: very least. And that's if you hustling. Mm-hmm. And remind you, I just got done working out, so I'm kind of tired. <laughs> and it was on the third floor of stair- sales, and you know those stairs, stairs are, are very, very steep. So anyway, and they don't have no elevator. So I get in there sweating. Um, and because I'm running late, I get there right when class starts. Everyone else is like in a U shape along the back wall and up through the side walls. And there's literally one empty chair in the middle of the U.
1: And they just, they all are looking at you. <laughs> they all just looking at you too.
0: They all are looking at me. So I'm sitting in this chair, clearly out of place, clearly wet, The professor is trying to teach as if I'm not distracting everyone because I feel (laughs) them staring at me. And at the end of the class, she finally says, you know, if you need to take a few extra minutes to calm down and dry off before you come, it's okay. Like, just let me know. And if it's on an exam day, I'll give you a few extra minutes at the end, but you don't need to come in here huffing and puffing, you know, fighting for your life. So goodness, shout out to her (laughs) because that, that really made a difference because I was pressed, pressed. Okay, thanks for indulging me. Now on to one and done. Mm-hmm. What is your position on one and done?
1: Um, I remember the days.
2: Oh my god! Yeah, because I'm an old head. I'm an old head. Stop it! Allow me.
1: Allow it. Allow it. Hey, whatever you need. I remember the days where one and done didn't exist, and mm-hmm. where prime time talents came straight out of high school. Mm. Into the NBA, and granted, these are very gifted um, and unique talents. Uh, for example, the late great Kobe Bryant,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Kevin Garnett, classic—the one and only, the King, LeBron James.
0: <laughs> I was waiting on it.
1: Uh huh. Um, so I, I think if you're forcing students to go to college they should at the very least have to stay for two years Um, or there should just not be a requirement at all in the first place I remember you you brought up a point at the beginning of the podcast Mm
2: -hmm. where
1: you said that you don't think that these like these young bulls like bodies are as developed as they need to be
2: and that's Mm -hmm. why
1: some of them run into more injuries. And granted, I might have a little, I might have blinders on because I don't know all of the, the players or situations where, Oh, they fall out or, or a young bull got drafted and then he didn't play in the NBA and then he went to the G league and then he Mm. fell out or something like that. But in terms of the success stories, of the young bulls. There are a lot of really young players right now that are doing just fine. Off the top of my head, I'll name Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, uh, mm-hmm. Trey young. So, and these, these guys are, are no, no older than 22, 23 years old. So, um, I think I, yeah, I don't, it's, 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 it's a way to get more exposure for the NCAA and you might as well, like preach, like the actual school thing. Like I don't. I don't know if these four-year universities offer associates degrees like that. But um, mm. I just. I just think like if you're gonna make them go to school, like at least make them stay for two years, or just don't make them go to school at all if they're that. If they're that talented and want to go straight. So.
0: The the young players you named are definitely crushing it, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's so many other players who got injured during their rookie season, Mm -hmm. either indefinitely and they were out for the rest of the season or they missed 60 of the 82 games. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of like Zion Williamson, Jabari Parker, uh, Joel Embiid, Markel Foltz, right? And of those people, like Jabari, he Uh, originally was... was, He was nice. He was originally supposed to be like rookie of the year and all these high expectations come in at the beginning of the rookie season, it might even have been through during preseason, injured, and he hasn't been the same since. He's like the new version of Derrick Rose, always injured, always switching teams. You never know what's going on, but people still believe in his potential, so somehow he stays on a roster. And after seeing that time and time again, all that talent, all that opportunity, Mm -hmm. just go with like a snapped ACL Mm -hmm. or a a torn Achilles heel, I can't help but wonder, like, dang, were they ready for this? Like, what is the strength and conditioning that Trey young and Jason Tatum are doing mm-hmm. that these other young cats aren't doing and are therefore sacrificing their careers. Mm-hmm. And even thinking about one and done, usually the argument is, well, why should they stay for an education when they can go play basketball at the highest level and make more money. Mm-hmm. And if basketball is the reason, and then you then go to the NBA and get injured and cannot play, then what, Yeah, what you, like, what's the response then? It's crazy.
1: Yeah, oh my god! It's it's the way that you just actually unlocked the memory for me because I had I had forgotten about Jabari Parker.
0: He was my guy too. It it was a, a big hurt.
1: I think, yeah, no, nah, that that makes a lot of sense. And I would, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to find this this page that does a really good correlation between sports and medicine because I'm trying mm. because I don't know I personally don't know what the correlation is between the like to like to your point these injuries just because you know ACL is chance I'm I'm sorry like ACL those sort of injuries I feel like a lot of times they're chance so I don't know what the correlation is between like them being maybe too young or underdeveloped or maybe it was just like they they it wasn't
0: just a fluke you think like just I don't know there's there's
1: definitely something there
0: for me Uh I I would say it's happenstance if it wasn't already in a pattern, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's very specific maybe first year, second year of the league people or players, mm-hmm. and they are getting injured. Yeah. Like, okay, one player, sure. Two, okay. But there's like five, six a year sometimes. Mm-hmm. and And not to fault the strength and conditioning team, but I remember when they were talking about Zion Williamson, they were saying that, they had to reteach him how to walk so that it was lighter on his hips or they had to reteach him a lot of basic things Mm -hmm. so that in 10 years he could still play, increase the career longevity. (laughs) And I'm like, well, can't you do that before he gets injured? (laughs) (laughs) Can we like preventative care? Mm -hmm. Cause just seeing him go out like that, I can't take it.
1: I think, I think Zion is a unique case personally, because like and I, I've I've had a lot of conversations with, with my boys about this. It's like mm-hmm. being being that large or or <laughs> as I, or as some would say, thick with two C's. Um, like that's not.
0: Yeah, I can is six four. By the way, huh? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead.
1: That's not. Um, that's not. And having that much weight on your knees and the way that Zion specifically beat like has his jumping and his ability that is not good for you if, from a longevity standpoint and that's like into de- like to the whole Derrick Rose point um he like they talk a lot about like the way that you land and Derrick Rose landed like he whenever he was jumping he he landed recklessly so I think mm. I think to that point um you can you can attest that to the differences in like you said strength and conditioning programs at different NCAA NCAA institutions. Mm Because obviously, it's going to be much different when you get to the NBA. Like, they all have to be at a certain standard. But I think a a lot of times, and I'll say this in regards to everything, like personal agenda Mm -hmm. agenda drives over everything. So if I have, say, for example, I'm a college coach at a prominent, like, Big 12 school or something, and I I just got a recruit that I know is going to be a one-and-done and maybe he has some slight issues with how he um, how he cuts or how he does his crossover. And mm-hmm. it, like, if 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 you really work on tweaking it, then it's, he's less likely to get injured. Why would I focus on that when I could focus more so on maximizing like how he like will fit into my offense for the short period of time that I have him.
2: You know
0: yeah, it's definitely a selfish mm-hmm. means, right? Coaches know that you're not going to be playing forever if you keep going this certain yep. way. But there's fundamentals of dribbling and crossing over. I'd rather you get because then you can get me six more points a game and we can beat Syracuse. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the NBA, that's going to be a problem and you may tear your ACL three months yeah. later. Like, what? <laughs> that's a crazy priority for these college basketball mm. coaches to have and not even tell the players, right? Most of the time they're not saying, Mm, if you keep moving like this, yeah, buddy, you're gonna be injured. Mm-hmm. Is more so. Here's the play. Can you execute it? I said on the block, not three inches to the mm-hmm. left. Attention to detail and like just all the nitpicky things coaches emphasize. Yep. Of all the things they emphasize, like this should definitely be one of them. I don't see why it's not. And and maybe it is behind the scenes. But again, at the rate of the injuries, it's just hard to believe they're doing mm-hmm. something.
1: That's no. That's 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 very valid. That's very valid. I don't. Man, I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the fix is, honestly. Um, this is random, but shout out to my boy Cassius Winston. Um Oh,
0: facts. Shout, MSU, right? Yeah,
1: at Michigan State University, University of Detroit Jesuit. I played against him in high school.
0: Shut um, up, really? Yeah. I didn't know I, that. You went to Canton High? No, nah, right? I went
1: to Catholic Central. What? Yeah, I went to I went to Detroit Catholic Central in in, in Michigan. We were in the same we were in the same league in high school. He started
0: why did I think Canton? That's nah. crazy. Yeah, okay. He
1: started uh he started all four years since his freshman year and he was nice. Dope. He's so nice. Uh I I wish the best for him. I hope he does well with the Washington Facts. with the Washington Wizards. He's one of those like IQ guys. He went he went fifty third. He went late because he didn't That was a steal. Yeah, though. he didn't like they like these draft heads and oh, don't let me get into this because i I get, I get i get mad because i didn't i didn't even watch the draft like i didn't watch it this year but i like i was seeing what was going on but mm-hmm. um like most of the time like they preach um size strength athleticism defensive capability mm-hmm. and Cassius, like he's a little shorter he's not a jumper and by shorter, I mean like he's six foot three.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the NBA, yeah, that's it short is. though. Yeah, it is.
1: short. It is short. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I, it's I, I saw memes. I saw memes on on Twitter, and they're talking about like they like the during days like these, whether it's the NFL or the NBA, they like to glorify come up stories. So they like Man. they use like the trauma of these players. And Mm -hmm. families as like talking points. Yes. I saw it
0: all over Twitter. Like, why do we have to bring up their lowest, darkest moment (laughs) in order to, yeah, in order to try to share that they deserve this moment or they work so hard for this moment? It doesn't, and it never happens to the white draftees, right? It's only the black ones. So twisted. I'm so glad you brought up MSU because. It's those boys, don't go early, right? Draymond yeah, did a full four work. years. Cassius did a full four Denzel, years. Denzel, even
1: though he's not really playing, playing like that, he stayed there all four Valentine. years. Valentine,
0: yeah, Denzel uh, Valentine, full four years. I think Tobias Harris, if not four, definitely mm-hmm. three years. And, of course, that means that it's about team yeah. culture, right?
1: I, oh, my God. If you, if you ask anybody who knows about Michigan State basketball, they know, like, it's, it's culture and family over there. I grew up a Michigan State fan. Both my sisters yeah. are Michigan State alumni. Um so they like they it's 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 all about like family and, and honesty over there. Um so I th- he actually has had uh, one or two one and done's recently. Miles Bridges is an example actually. Yep.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. We um went to high school like a few minutes apart. He used to date oh, one of my friends. I'm, I forgot about mm-hmm. him. That's crazy. Okay, boy. but yeah, he mm-hmm. was one and done.
1: But um, but yeah, it's it's the like I said, it's just depends on the program and like different programs have different uh priorities. So, like like the example for Duke, it was like, oh okay, how much exposure can we get Zion? How like how can we get how can we make him fly? And it's not like. And it's not like Coach K didn't care about him because he absolutely did, and Coach K cares about all his players. But yeah, for sure. That like with and again, since Zion, like we're using the example of Zion, Zion, he's he's a very specific example where like like Mar and also like Markel Foles, it's not one of those things that's going to be a quick fix. Like you actually, like yeah. you have to really, really work on that. And I don't think the NC like the NCAA like these colleges like have the time or energy to. To invest in that for the longevity of their careers, that's not going to benefit them. So,
0: it's sad. It's sad. Oh wait, Miles actually did two years at MSU. My bad. Oh, Miles cool. did two years, but I also, I don't know, because that, like, I hear what you're saying. They have a four year turnaround, sometimes a one year turnaround, and are often a lot of, under a lot of pressure to deliver a championship or at the very least a March Madness mm-hmm. run, and clearly their playbook and whatever they're trying to accomplish takes yeah. precedent but with as many additional workouts and optional but it's high key mandatory <laughs> workouts that college athletes usually have to do workouts. like there's no reason why this can't take like 20 <laughs> minutes a day or 30 minutes a day just so that that foundation is there and I um I've been thinking about how I feel about one and done and my thing has always been Yeah, you'll need your education to fall back on, you know, 20 years after you get done playing, or even if it's just five years or one year and you end up being a bust in the NBA, who knows, it's just such an unpredictable Mm -hmm. situation. And I was watching an interview with Jalen Brown, pardon me, with Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics. And he was basically saying, yeah, I definitely hear the opposition to one and done. But for me, it's no different than someone dropping out of school to start up Facebook or to start Mm -hmm. up a tech company. It's just as risky. It's just as unsure, uncertainty all over the place. Yet no one faults Zuckerberg and whoever else for Mm -hmm. doing what they did. So I'm like, "Mm, that's true. I don't know if people are dropping out of school to start up companies at the rate that college athletes are to join the NBA, but I definitely... That point definitely changed how I Absolutely. look at one and
1: done. And I think, um, like, and this is just another point to the whole personal agenda piece in regard to the, the yeah, safety yeah. of these players. A lot of the medical staffs of certain, certain colleges and organizations, they're not necessarily going to act in the best interest of the player, rather the best interest, Which is unfortunate. The best interest of the team. For example... Mm-hmm. My last college football play was in practice mm. and I separated my left shoulder. Yeah. Shut that was up. My, that really? was my last time playing football. I separated my left shoulder.
0: I've never heard done. this story. And I was like, wow.
1: ah, I'm good. So
2: mm.
0: it, it happened
1: about two and a half weeks before our spring game. Mm. And like our our training staff at the time was trying to get me on a on a, a fast track rehab program so that i could play in the spring game in two weeks off a of freshly separated shoulder
0: that you just sounds bad saying?
1: so it's like mm. a lot of and i feel like that's more pre- prevalent with football specifically because there's a lot i feel like there's more injuries that you can quote unquote play through with football as opposed to basketball but I know that Mm, I promise you that there's a lot of cases out there where like some player like sustains like some sort of minor injury or maybe even like more so and like a lot of these players will like attest and associate like a mamba mentality or being hardcore and tough with like playing through an injury that could affects hurt them in, in the long term as opposed to like genuinely truly like nursing it back to full health so they'll like those those staffs will be like oh um yeah he's fine when in realistic like when in reality like he probably needs like maybe two or three four more days you know what i'm saying
0: Mm -hmm. now the the staff the medical team the coaching staff they definitely expedite returning players back to the field (laughs) way before Mm -hmm. they're supposed to all in the name of oh you can tough it out you're stronger than this we need you. And they'll gaslight players as if it's in their best interest to play. Like a lot of recruiters are going to be there tonight. A lot of cameras are going to be on you. This could be your ticket to the draft if you play well. And meanwhile, they're like high-key foreshadowing a, a stress fracture that's going to turn into something more or uh a, 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 what's the word? A road ankle that's going to turn into, God knows, an Achilles tear in how many years. It just for it to be so compounding and for coaches to be at the center of it when mm-hmm. they could stop it, yet decide to do nothing, yeah. it's disgusting. Like it's just despicable to me, and it it makes it makes it seem so disingenuous and as though they only care for the players who can give them something. Which I get it. Like they have a job, they need to win, they do need players who perform. But gee, where do you draw the line? These are their yeah, lives. It's,
1: it's really crazy out here. It's really crazy out here.
0: It's crazy. I um. I don't even know where to go from here. Maybe this is a good point to end on, but I want to emphasize that the NCAA is a it nonprofit is organization. Oh my gosh. Which is crazy. Nonprofit organization making billions. close to billions yep. per year. And the fact did you see that they're still going to do the March Madness tournament just all in one location? Because they're not trying to give up that coin yeah, again. They lost
1: that bag. They lost that bag last year.
0: And the fact that they're still Mm -hmm. doing March Madness tells me that they're just as important, if Mm -hmm. not more important, than the NBA when it comes to the sports scene. Like, people want to see them play. They were tight about missing out on that. And so, Mm -hmm. again, when will lives and humanity be more important than dollars and cents? even to a
1: point that you made earlier in regards to the NBA, Mm because, like, the NBA is – very like very progressive, especially if you try to compare it to like the NFL For sure. or or something along those lines. I really rock with Adam Silver. I think he, I think he's a great me too. I think big ears and all. He's doing a great mm-hmm. job. Um, and they're progressive to an extent. Um, you saw you saw the whole dispute that they had with the Players Association about when to start this season,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the and the NBA was like, nah, we need to make this money. This is a capitalistic society. Y'all are gonna play at this date, like that's like that's that's what they said. Yep. Is like, there's there's like even even in the the situation that they're they're offering like a little bit of leniency, like it's always gonna be within what they feel is like quote unquote okay, and like you said, right, it's not okay. So so <laughs> yes, yeah, it's. it's,
0: it's,
1: it's mm
0: it's crazy it's definitely an ongoing conversation and you know we're sports heads so we could talk about this for god knows how long but if if you had any closing thoughts love to Mm. hear them now
1: i would say that i think in terms of individual autonomy for players it's it's actually moving in the right direction um I'm not necessarily from a college perspective because I haven't I haven't seen players do that as much. I think what 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 one thing that excited me it's not even a basketball thing, but Deion Sanders' son going to play going to play yeah, going to Jackson play at HBCU, State. Mm-hmm. I think if more players and even basketball players do that, that will really change the scope of what the NCAA and exposure looks like. Um, but yeah. I think I think players are starting to in and, and specific, specifically especially in the NBA starting to like take more of a hold of their careers whether like from a business perspective as well like specifically from a business perspective. And
0: yeah, and I just this <laughs> may open up a can of worms, but I I continue to just get blown away by how players initiate and broker their mm-hmm. own trade deals. Like, just yesterday, John Wall was like, I want to be traded. And then it it broke the sports news. Wall wants to trade. What are the moves? And even when Paul George was at OKC Mm -hmm. for, what, a year and then says, I want to be traded. To have a a franchise turn itself upside down to make the player happy when technically they're still under contract and they don't need to do it. Like, I don't understand why. Just because Mm -hmm. they say so, that's that's a lot of power for someone who really, that's not their lane because they already signed.
1: So, um... Yeah, I mean I just I just want to see more. I think I think that's that's the that's the feeling in regards to a lot of things. Just 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 more of yeah. things that we've seen less of and need from and specifically and especially for um these these black athletes. Um,
2: so so yeah.
0: Facts. Well, thank you again. You know, you're welcome mm-hmm. anytime. It's always fun and thank good you so vibes. Thank you for having you, Mr. oh my god not the miss richardson (laughs) oh man all right plants and never buried thank you for listening as always i'm going on holiday break next week so there will be no new episode but join us for the first saturday or the first sunday in december which is kind of crazy that december is that quick but yes I'm not against it, but I, I yep. keep feel like it was just April or it was just March. And now to yep. say the end of November, beginning of December, I'm the, I'm the uh, <laughs> Mr. Krabs meme in the whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Where am I? Who am I? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I'll check you then, Planting Everberry. Take care. Stay safe. Enjoy the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and stay Black.